Welcome to Unbossed. So glad you are here on this fine Friday afternoon. And we got you covered for today. We're going to talk about Senator Bernard Sanders has his eye on the help committee. Lauren Boebert takes the lead in the race and prematurely declares herself the victor. But we got a twist in that sense. And East Africa is experiencing the worst drought in 40 years from climate change. And we are so lucky today to have David Schuster, one of our Rebel HQ contributors. David, it's so good to have you back on Unbossed. Senator Turner, it's great to be with you. Whether the news is good or bad, um, Friday, ending of Friday, ending a week with you, that's always great. So uh, I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, you know just what to say. I got to bring you back almost every day. <laughs> got to hear that every day. So we're going to jump right into Senator Sanders seeks a vital committee chairmanship, and he's ready to tackle this particular challenge. I want you to check out this headline: Medicare for All champion Bernie Sanders eyes key Senate committee chair. A spokesperson said the senator would focus on universal health care, lowering the cost of prescription drugs, increasing access to higher education and protecting workers rights on the job. Yeah, the stuff that he's been working on for over 40 years, this committee is tailor made for Senator Sanders. And the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor and Pensions, otherwise known as the Help Committee, would certainly benefit from Senator Sanders leadership. Here are some key issues that the Help Committee takes up. Education, labor, health, public welfare and student loans all very hot topics in our public discourse right now. And the senator right currently is already the chair of the budget committee in the United States Senate. But the new role could also pave the way towards a more realized future of universal health care, regardless of what the GOP has to say and also those neoliberals. Axios reported on Monday in the wake of last week's midterm elections, that he is aiming to take over for current HELP Committee Chair Patty Murray. At the helm of the HELP Committee, Axios noted, Sanders would have a new larger platform to champion his progressive ideas and potentially make Chuck Schumer's life miserable on issues like Medicare for all. This is coming from Common Dreams. It's pretty sad that that would make Schumer's life miserable. It should make his life glad, especially since the members of Congress in both chambers do enjoy public health care. That's right, paid for by our tax dollars. They have some of the best, best health care in the nation. Why not expand that to the rest of the country? And these issues beyond universal health care, lowering the cost of prescription drugs, workers' rights, and higher education access. Here are some of the issues that could be spotlighted because of Senator Bernard Sanders leadership. And we list them out, expanded social security, housing for all, eliminating medical debt, free childcare and pre-K for all. These issues probably sound very familiar, David, because though these were the issues among others that we were champion on the campaign trail both in 16 and 2020. And well before Senator Sanders took the national stage as a candidate for president in both of those presidential elections, he has been singing the same song, dancing to the same beat for over 40 years. Your thoughts, David? Well, and never mind the singing and dancing. Imagine if Senator Sanders has subpoena power. So I keep thinking back to when the um, the cigarette CEOs, probably about 20 years ago, all had to testify in Congress and talk about their poisonous 
product. Imagine Senator Sanders forcing the CEOs of these big pharmaceutical companies and putting them under oath about their pricing strategy. And why is it that the United States that we pay you know, 10 times as much for insulin as other countries? This is gonna be a huge opportunity, not just for Senator Sanders and not just in terms of these issues, but for all of us who care about this, who wanna have some accountability, who wanna have these corporate power brokers forced to testify. This is a wonderful development. It is, and I can imagine it. I mean, it has me really goosebumps just thinking about what the chairman of the help committee could actually do because he feels it in his soul. This is not just conclusions that he's come to recently. He's been on the front line of these issues for a very long time. And despite what mainstream media or the GOP or the neoliberals want to tell you or to tell us, most of the American people believe in these issues. Check out these charts for healthcare related issues and on social security, Medicare for all where Americans would get their health insurance from the government. We see very clearly that 55% of all voters say yes. When you break people down between Democrat and Republican, 79% of Democrats say yes, 28% of Republicans say yes. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing in our country. And it has been going in the right direction for a very long time that the American people are ready. It is our elected officials who are behind the times. And voters overwhelmingly want social security to continue existing 10 years from now, hopefully 20 years and 30 years from now. There's always a generation ahead and a generation behind and all of those generations deserve to have the benefit of social securities. Social security, but voters overwhelmingly want social security to continue existing 10 years from now. When they were asked, do you think social security should exist 10 years from now? You can see that all likely voters, 90%, beautiful. When you break it down, the Democrats, Republicans, or independent party folks, 92% of Democrats, 88% of people who identify as an independent or with a third party, and even 91% of Republicans. David, there is no daylight really on this issue between Democrats, Republicans, or independents for that matter. Oh, you're absolutely right, and, and Republicans have long in terms of Social Security given us this false choice that if we wanna keep Social Security solvent, the Republicans say, "Oh, we either have to raise the retirement age or we have to cut benefits. And the fact of the matter is, can you imagine a Senate hearing in which we give a platform to, okay, well, what if we're not taxing just the first $149,000 of income to Social Security? What if we're taxing the first $500,000 or a million dollars? What would that do to Social Security? And suddenly having that platform, not only does it educate so many people in Congress and the Senate, but it also educates the American people who can say, no, wait a second, I'm looking up at a hearing here that is giving me another way than what I've been hearing from Republicans for all these years. So again, to be able to amplify these issues is a huge deal. It really is, and the data actually lines up. And when you go out and talk to voters as these posters have, the voters are being very clear about what they would like to see their government provide for them. We have another graph for you, the federal government and private insurance companies negotiating with, with prescription drug manufacturers to set universal prices for prescription drugs. 62% of US adults say, yeah, let's do it. 76% of Democrats, 58% of independents, 51% of Republicans. So overwhelmingly, the American people are right there. And how about allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices directly with prescription drug manufacturers? Again, 
all US adults or those who were polled 68%, Democrat 76%, Independent 64%, Republican 65%. That's coming from the Economist and YouGov. It's not the people, it actually is the elected officials who are standing in the way of this progress. Let's put up this other graph where it comes to whether or not people support or don't support free college. Well, here's where we are. The general public overwhelmingly, parents, even more than that. Shout out to the parents who have to finance this, these education, <laughs> this education. You break down to it, ethnicity, you see on and on. Basically what this chart, this graph is showing that overwhelmingly, regardless of how people have identified in this particular survey, they are with the government providing free college education. And when we say the word free, David, some people sometimes people get all in a bunch about it. Really, the way I see this, and I would love your thoughts on this as well, is this is about a social contract. It is about an investment. In the same way, K through 12 education was not always guaranteed for all people. There came a point in time in our country's history where we collectively decided that children of this nation deserve a K through 12 education paid for with our tax dollars. Now in this century, we need a paradigm shift that adds pre-K and also college to that. It's a it's a it's an investment and it just expands our social contract. Absolutely. And in fact, study after study has shown that when you invest on the front end, you save money on the back end. When you invest in pre-K, when you give people a good education, you save money in terms of whether it's incarceration or drug problems or any sort of issues that they may run into later in their life. And I want to try to connect all this to sort of the, the outstanding sort of political issue that's still there, and that is the Georgia Senate race. If Democrats win in Georgia, that'll give them the 51-49 as opposed to a 50-50 tie with Kamala Harris breaking the tie. If the Democrats have 51-49, then they will have an edge, it won't be evenly split committees. They will have an additional seat, they will have more resources. And it becomes that much easier for Democrats to issue subpoenas to decide on what the priorities of these hearings will be. So for people who want Bernie Sanders to have even more authority and power to raise attention to these issues, if we can get Raphael Warnock reelected in Georgia, that will help when it comes time to focusing on these issues and making sure that these Senate committees have the sort of power that I think Bernie Sanders and the rest of us want to have. And thanks for that reminder, David. Unfortunately, some folks have been jumping, skipping and hopping over the fact that the Democrats have control right now without knowing the outcome of Senator Warnock's race. And I think that is wrong. A lot of people think that that is wrong to just write off Senator Warnock. And you make a very poignant point about why it is important to continue to push to make sure that he wins that race to give Democrats even more firepower. Hopefully they will use that power on behalf of the 98% in this country who need them to stand up. All linked to this, so whether it, it, within that committee that Senator Sanders is eyeing is also our labor unions. Approval of labor unions, what is it? I'm glad that you asked. Check out this chart, this is coming from Gallup. Do you approve or disapprove of labor unions. And this is from a span of time from 1936 to 2022. And as we can see, it was ebbs and flows all the way through. But where we are now in 20 or in 2020, when they took the poll, 71% of the American people do support, do believe in labor unions. Another reason why David, the PRO Act should have passed, I am miffed to put it lightly as to why it has not passed yet because the people want it. Dems will be smart, 
very smart to let Senator Sanders serve as the chair person of the help committee because this country definitely needs some help. Check out these stats. We're looking at where the best healthcare is in the world. Yeah, we're not even on the list. Denmark, Norway, Switzerland, Sweden, Finland, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Germany, Luxembourg, Austria. United States is nowhere on there. Or how about another map that we have used often? We know these stats so well. Countries with universal health care in 2022. And we see the beautiful aqua blue is where the countries that have universal health care. And there we are, the United States of America, hegemon nation. And we do not have it. We should be embarrassed. It is a moral imperative and this imperative would help not just the individuals who need it, which is all of us to be human means that at some point in your life, you will need health care. But also from an economic perspective, this is the better way to go. We spend more money on health care and we do not have better outcomes than other nations. It would help businesses as well, both small and medium sized and even large businesses. It would help everyone. So this good policy is also good politics. Hopefully the elected officials will get a clue on this, David. But with Senator Sanders at the helm, I have no doubt that he will be pushing as hard as he can, as he always has. Yeah, and this story gives me, look, this is another reason to be optimistic about the future. I mean, we've seen some pretty good developments the last couple of weeks. The idea that one of these Senate committees will have more power and that Senator Sanders will be running it and he'll have subpoena power and the power to elevate all of these issues. That is a reason to be hopeful. It really is. To quote the great Reverend Jesse Jackson, keep hope alive. <laughs> we will do that indeed. Oh, President Biden, you have a lot of work to do. We know this, we understand this. There's a big tax giveaway going on per usual, but this is actually something you can do something about. So this headline, will Biden end an illegal $50 billion tax giveaway? The IRS is sanctioning state laws, allowing rich Americans to bypass the salt cap and avoid billions in taxes. But a new Biden nominee could end that scheme. Let's hope that that nominee does just that. And this reporting is coming from the lever. So since 2018, state legislatures have been helping the richest Americans evade billions of dollars of taxes every year in a fragrant violation of federal law. And the Internal Revenue Service under both Presidents Donald Trump and Joe Biden has rubber stamped this scheme or the scheme. Thank you, Julia Rock from The Lever laying this out. So we want you to understand both parties, GOP and the Democrats. You know here on Unbossed, we lay it out at straight, no chaser here. And this is what we're talking about. So there has been a leadership shakeup in the IRS. Beautiful thing. Let's hope that that shakeup leads to a correction of this wrong course. The loophole in question was created by new state laws and allows people to use pass through entities such as, let's list them and we have them up there. Private equity firms, hedge funds, law firms, medical practices, they can bypass a $10,000 limit on state and local tax write-offs. As we can imagine, all of this adds up. And that limit created by none other than President Donald J. Trump in 2017 tax bill had the effect of raising taxes on the wealthy, especially in high tax states. The state created laws in response to this cap 
experts say are clearly illegal under the 2017 federal tax law. And according to New York University law professor Daniel Himmel, this so-called pass-through entity tax scandal will deliver an estimated 50 billion in tax breaks, mostly to Americans who make more than 1 million per year by 2025. The professor's research represents the first comprehensive estimate of that size in, in looking at this loophole. And the professor further states, in effect, the IRS has created a special tax preference unauthorized by Congress for hedge fund managers, law firm partners, and other pass-through entity owners. And the Biden administration, notwithstanding its professed, underline, underscore, bold commitment to tax fairness has acquiesced in this massive giveaway to the rich. Go ahead and lay that out, Professor. He laid that out in his in in this article that Julia Rock wrote. And then one more final point from the professor. But ending this loophole is squarely the responsibility of the president. All they need to do is enforce the law that is on the books, he said. This isn't asking them to score some legislative shot from half court. Boom. David. Well, merely just bringing this up, if Joe Biden had a speech or a news conference where he said, you know what, I see what these pass through entities have been able to get in the states over the last five years. I see it. And if this doesn't get stopped, then we're going to take action and through executive action. And I'm going to tell the IRS to go ahead and start collecting this money. Just the warning from the president, I think, would have a huge impact. And this is also a reminder that, you know, people think, oh, you know, all politics at the state at the state level doesn't really matter that much. No, it matters because when these law firms and these hedge funds, they have just as many lobbyists in yes, state capitals as they do altogether in Washington. And, and they are able to get this sort of reaction so that if Washington President of either party does something that I don't know hurts the business interests or the financial interests of the wealthiest Americans. Well, then they deal with it at the state level, and that's why voting for Democrats and voting for progressive policy at the state level is also important because it cuts down on the power that a lot of these lobbyists are able to have. It does. It goes hand in hand. You know, often just repeating a saying: it takes teamwork to make the dream work, and that teamwork has to happen not just on the federal level, but state level, regional level, and also local levels of government. Who we put in office matters, who we give our power to actually matters. And when you have progressive or conscious minded elected folks in office who will look out for the 98% and that synergy is happening on all levels of government, that is in fact a thing of beauty. So here in this case, let us repeat. As the professor said, ain't gotta make a slam dunk. <laughs> you ain't gotta do none of that. No shooting from half court. All you have to do, President Joe Biden, is to enforce the law. And that will take care of all of that. We'll be watching this. We're gonna keep hold on this story. The new IRS leader, get to work, baby, and deal with this. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Call some folks though. Welcome back to the show. You know this is my favorite part, reading viewer comments. And we're gonna start with TYT member Connor says, it's Friday. I've got my unboss hat on and I'm ready to get fired up right to the start. Right, 
fight it right to start this weekend. Sending love to you and yours, Nina. Oh, thank you so much, Connor. I'm so glad you have your hat. I should have mine right next to me. You reminded me I should put make sure it's in studio so I can throw it on every hey, now and then. Where's my unbossed hat? Connor gets a hat and I don't have one yet. Where do I oh, no, David. Uh-uh, we got we have to make sure you get a hat. We will get that in the mail right away. Yes. <laughs> On Twitch, Overseer Dixon says the rebel gentleman himself on Unbossed on Friday. No less. What a treat. You're giving us oh, Senator nice. Turner the greatest weekend start in a long while. Oh, oh that was nice. so sweet. Oh. Thank you so much for that, Overseer Dixon. And that's coming from Twitch. And on YouTube Super Chat, Panic Boo says, oh, I love that name. Panic Boo says, I love David, David and Nina. Excellent duo and a whole bunch of hearts. Oh, I love David and Nina too. I think it's awesome. <laughs> I do too. I love them too. I think they are fantastic. That's right. They are. And so are you. Thank you so much to all of our supporters, everybody that subscribes and you support the work of TYT to keep us independent and being able to give you the news the way that we do. We appreciate you. Without you, there's no us. And speaking of us, please do not forget about the Griner family. Brittany Griner is still in prison over in Russia. Send your prayers if you pray, your thoughts, your well wishes. If you are on social media, hashtag from time to time, we are BG. This is what her family has asked for. Some people are still working hard. Let's hope that the feds are working hard to bring her home. And do not forget about our sisters and brothers and family and friends in Jackson, Mississippi. Water is indeed life. And here at TYT, we're doing our part and we need your help. Go to tyt.com relief. That is tyt.com relief. Thank you again for all that you do. WTF Biden administration. We will now kneel. Miss Cinema. Miss Cinema. No. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. Yes, the neoliberals are at it again. Don't promise to do something, President Biden, and then you can't keep the promise. Also, oil is not worth costing people their lives and cozying up to dictators. Let's put this sad headline up. US moves to shield Saudi crown prince in journalist killing. The Biden administration says Saudi crown prince, the high office that he has should shield him from a lawsuit over his role in the killing of a US based journalist making a turnaround from Joe Biden's passionate campaign trail denunciations of the prince over the brutal slaying. So while he was running, it wasn't a good thing. Now that he's in the seat, it's kind of like, oh, the Saudi prince cannot be held accountable. And I, I want you to notice, David, I'm coming right to you. The That that we put that um, last clip back up, because I want people, I don't want people to, to lose this, that the Biden administration says that the Saudi prince, his high office should shield him from a lawsuit over his role in the killing of a US based journalist. Now, if that doesn't tell us all we need to know, I don't know what else we need to know, David. 
Well, last time I checked, it was up to the courts, the Supreme Court, the judiciary to determine whether or not a leader is immune from lawsuits, whether they're in the United States or someplace else. What what strikes me is so, and I'm glad WTF is the, the perfect sort of acronym for this, because I can almost sort of understand that if Saudi Arabia had kept oil flowing and had dropped oil prices so low over the last three or four months, okay, I could sort of understand maybe a temptation, maybe by a minister, US administration, think, okay, what can we do to sort of pay back the Saudis for, for helping us out. But the fact of the matter is the Saudis, they, they put pressure on oil prices so that oil prices would go up. They essentially turned down the spigot so prices rose. And that could have been devastating to Joe Biden and Democrats in these midterm elections. Thankfully, because of other issues, Americans you know, came to their senses and they didn't sort of vote based on gas prices necessarily. But it's not as if <clears throat> Joe Biden has gotten anything from the Saudis over the last three or four months. So what is he thinking now, just giving them a gift just because? That doesn't make any sense. And just the, I mean, the level of disrespect and just think about Khashoggi's family. Which you know we're going to highlight some of what his fiancee had to say. Now the administration spoke out in support of a claim of legal immunity for the prince, Saudi Arabia's de facto ruler, who also recently took the title of prime minister against a suit brought by the fiancee of slain Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi, and by the rights group Khashoggi founded. Democracy for the Arab world now. And as we can all imagine, Khashoggi's fiance, Hatice, had a lot to say about this. But here's the tweet that she put up after hearing the news from the White House Jamal died again today. Hashtag injustice, hashtag Jamal Khashoggi. And we can certainly understand why she feels this way. You know, two years ago during an interview with The Guardian, Hatice saw the handwriting on the wall. During the interview, she said that the world failed to hold Saudi Arabia accountable. Now, this was two years ago, she said that. And here it is, she proved to be prophetic. And this is what she had to say to Guardian two years ago, because these people were not punished for what they have done. And because the world has chosen to just move on, they can still do what they want. And David, I mean, unfortunately, she is proven to be prophetic on this. The geopolitical, you know, calculation, all of that notwithstanding, Khashoggi was an American citizen, and the fact that the Saudi Arabian prince got away with this is very troubling to me. Yeah, an American citizen who wrote for the Washington Post. So never mind whether you like journalists or not, but or whether you like American citizens or not. American citizens are now in greater jeopardy in Saudi Arabia because Bin Salman has been empowered by this because okay, he can butcher an American citizen and there's really no repercussions. And oh, by the way, now the Biden administration, now US administration is gonna say, oh, well, don't worry about the lawsuits because we're gonna protect you from that. The fact of the matter is, I don't know what the Biden administration is looking for. I mean, are they trying to keep the headlines away from Bin Salman and all of this? We know that the Bin Salman has the money to pay out any lawsuits. He just struck a multi-billion dollar deal with the Trumps. So it's not money that he's worried about in terms of this lawsuit, maybe it's prestige. Maybe it's attention, but so what? The Biden administration can say, look, that's not up to us. We have an independent judiciary in the United States, unlike Saudi Arabia. Take up your gripes with them in court. This is the this is this is really almost unforgivable by the Biden administration. It really is, and it really sets a, a terrible precedence. And it, it's gonna come back to bite 
this administration, but also future administrations. But our hearts go out to the Khashoggi family. This is indeed injustice as Hatice laid out in her tweet. Clean water here and abroad. So millions in Somalia are suffering from a historic drought, leaving people without water. On this show, we do talk a lot about the water crisis, particularly the water crisis here in the United States of America. It is happening all over the world. It is not just us. We have one earth, one mother earth, and mother earth is not being taken care of at all. We do need a global answer, a global fix to the climate chaos that plagues this world at the hands of both incompetence and arrogance of human beings. And the entire ecosystem is in jeopardy. The last time I check as human beings, we need water, clean water, clean air and clean food. We cannot subsist without it. And so we are looking at our sisters and brothers and family and friends abroad and that is in Somalia. This is the worst drought that Somalia has experienced in 40 years. The culprit here, climate chaos. Let's take a look at this graphic. Five years of climate change induced drought causes starvation in Somalia. It doesn't take a rocket science to understand, scientists to understand that there is a, a correlation between not having clean water and the impact it has on being able to have food. You need water to have food, especially the food that comes from Mother Earth. Climate chaos is taking its toll and there are really there are real human lives behind this toll. Let us not forget four failed rainy seasons led to the following. No rainfall consequences, barren harvest, depleting livestock, thinning resources. Again, let's connect the dots here, you all. And this could be us. And so this is why any any global lack is important for us. There are push pull factors here as to why people suffer, why people have to migrate sometimes. And this is going to impact the entire world, not just Somalia. So which has caused, so this no rainy consequence has caused the following. One million Somalis have been forced to leave their home in search of safety, food and water. Eight million people across Somalia experience high levels of acute food insecurity. Let me put this another way, people are hungry. That's it. I mean, David, we always find the pretty words and I get it. And this is no, I'm not casting dispersion on the person that wrote this. They wrote it and that's beautiful, food insecurity. That is what it is. But when we break this down to the fundamental, the fundamentals, people are hungry. They don't have enough food to eat. Their bellies are growling. And they can't think like that. You can't be optimal. You can't function optimally if you are hungry. Yeah. And the margin for, you know, the cushion in a place like Somalia is far less, of course, than, you know, say the margin of air. If, you know, if you, a lot of Americans think of climate crisis, oh my God, you know, some of our coastal communities might be underwater. We're going to have more hurricanes. We're going to have more thunderstorms, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe people will have to move away from the coast. Okay. Maybe that's something of a burden on people who have homes on the coast. But imagine the burden if you're like one or two, you know, uh, bad crops away from going hungry. I mean, Americans are not going hungry because of the climate crisis. They may just have to move and their property might get damaged. It is so much more severe in a place like Somalia. And oh, by the way, the biggest contributor to the climate crisis 
Those of us here in the United States, we accounted for 25% of all the pollutants in the air for the last many years. China's now you know, getting close to us, but we are responsible for this. We're responsible for the climate crisis. So Americans cannot simply look away and think, oh, well, because this is Somalia, this is not my problem. No, we can't. 25% and we're only 5% of the, of, the, of the world's total population. So wrap your mind around that. But the effects of this go even deeper without a harvest. Neither people nor animals can survive unless outside assistance is provided. Resource scarcity has only been compounded by the economic impact of COVID-19, duh. And the rising costs due to Russia's war in Ukraine, a country known as Europe's breadbasket from which Somalia imports 90% of its Wheat. So even with this, and and thank you Yahoo News for this. It is showing us that we are all connected. That it really is a fine line. It is a delicate. It's very delicate. And if anything impacts the balance, you know, all the dominoes fall. And that is what is happening in Somalia right now. And the global pandemic itself which is shame on the United States and other industrialized nations. David, you probably recall that early on in the pandemic, these nations were slow to Mm. respond to other nations needs. And Africa is a continent and one of the last to even get any help whatsoever when it came to getting the vaccines out to country, poor countries and poor you know, nations and that just really turned my stomach at that time and it still does even to this moment. So poverty experts are weighing in on this. Right now, it's the livestock that's at risk and next is going to be our children. Margaret Mueller, I mean, it doesn't, hey, she laid that, David. I mean, I sometimes like some of these issues to sort of think about, well, what what really are Republicans concerned about? And so to my Republican friends who are out there, if you don't care about the humanity and the starvation and you're only really focused, say, on political instability or the rise of terrorism, that's another reason to care about this. I seem to remember something called um, uh, Black Hawk Down when we lost you know, US troops in Mogadishu, Somalia because of political instability there. When you have these sorts of climate crises, when you have people starving in a place like Africa, you're still, you're gonna have more political instability, you're gonna have more terrorism. So even if that's your only gauge as to whether or not this should be important to the United States, it's important because we need these countries to be stable for all of us, even if that's your only concern, is our safety and being immune somehow from terrorism. So true, what a great reminder. And you're making me think of one of the most quotable persons, people to ever walk the face of the earth. And that's the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. When he said, what affects one directly affects us all indirectly. And David, you just laid out a whole litany of why we should care. Pick pick the reason, you gave a whole bunch of reasons. If it's not moral, then maybe it's geopolitical, but pick your reason why we should care about what is happening in Somalia. And this is not the first time that Somalia has experienced famine. Unfortunately, the last famine was in 2011. A famine destination designation will be too late. People are already dying. During the last famine in Somalia in 2011, half of all deaths occurred before famine was declared. The international community pledged to never again allow famine in Somalia or wait so long to act. But it is repeating the same mistake this year. 
Somebody already defined what insanity is and that is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I would venture, David, if this was another nation, people would not be as cavalier. But because it is Somalia on the continent of Africa, it is easier to have a, we'll get to it when we get to it, attitude. Because we know that black people in the diaspora, we understand the, the racial struggles and biases, and I do see this as another example of anti-blackness. But most people in the US are unaware of what's going on in East Africa, according to data collected by rescue.org. 69% of US respondents were not aware there was a drought in East Africa. Thank God that we're reporting this right here on Boston on the TYT network. But that poll did find something interesting regarding climate change. 57% said politicians are not doing enough to address climate change and related food food shortages. And again, that's coming from rescue.org. And that's really good because now, David, I see an opening there that 57% of people saying that politicians are not doing enough. Yeah, no, there's certainly an opportunity to sort of galvanize public opinion and to get people sort of more involved and get our government more involved. I'm just, you know, and I'm going to show my age here. I remember what is it, 38 years ago when there was a horrible drought in Africa and there was a bunch of American musicians and stars who got together and they did, we are the world of race consciousness Remember. so that we would end these sort of droughts. If somebody would have said 38 years ago, well, imagine in the future we're going to have these same problems and we're going to have the same racist based ignorance of them because Americans don't want to talk about black people in Africa. I would have said, no, 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 we're gonna make a lot more progress. We're not making the kind of progress that so many of us have wanted. There's a potential for us to do so, and there's a potential for us to bring awareness. But all of us together have to say, you know what, this is a problem that needs to be solved. For whatever the reason is, we have to, we have to talk about these issues, we have to talk about the unpleasantries, and we have to figure out some way to solve the climate crisis and to help the countries that are suffering the most. Absolutely that, because but by the grace of God, there go. I or there go us. Some policies put up this headline, people may or may not remember this, but Dianne Feinstein lectures children who want Green New Deal portraying it as untenable. You know, this is part of the problem. Having elected officials who are so out of touch or who lack imagination or who really just don't care, they don't get it, they don't see it. And they're not willing to use their political capital to make a difference. We have got to understand that climate chaos is a clear and present danger to each and every one of us. And depending on where you live, both in this country and also in the world, depends on how fast this crisis hits you. But ultimately, none of us are going to escape this mm -hmm. crisis. We must do something about it collectively. Meanwhile, most Americans do support, underline it, underscore it. They do support the Green New Deal. Let's put this graphic up. That shows where the majority of voters are on the Green New Deal. They're right there, they do support it. They do understand that we need this. And not only will this help us and help Mother Earth, it will help bring different and new jobs. It will make this country more sustainable. Yeah, we go, We should go ahead and do that. It is so important. So David, we're gonna keep an eye on this too, hopefully. And I do remember We Are The World, mm -hmm. I really do. And that was a great campaign. A really great campaign. And I just want to say really quickly, I'm so glad that you put up the, the public polling on this that most Americans do support the Green New Deal. And so a lot of people think, well, then why isn't it happening? Well, when we attack our corrupt political system, the influence of corporations and lobbyists and whatnot in Washington, it helps all kinds of problems. Some of the reasons that 
all these issues that have widespread American support don't get through Congress is because a lot of lobbyists and a lot of corporate powers are blocking it and they've bought members of Congress. And so to the extent that we can break the gridlock and end this political corruption, a lot of these problems can get solved. There it is, the owner donors are, they never sleep. So the rest of us can't either. People of good consciousness, no matter how you identify on the political spectrum. I hope that one thing, a few things that we can agree on. We need clean water, clean air, clean food, a nation that is productive in that way, that is pushing other nations. And to have a worldwide effort to stop droughts from happening, not only in Somalia, but all over the world where people are suffering. Again, what happens to one directly happens to us all indirectly. True words by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It fits on so many issues. We'll be right back, don't you go anywhere. Welcome back, round two of our viewer comments. We have Prince Electro Diamond says, I hope Senator Sanders gets this committee job. So that way, universal health care will be passed when Nina turn when Nina runs for president. <laughs> Ooh. Amen. That's right. Hello, I'm somebody on that. On that. <laughs> Thank you, Prince Electro. I appreciate that. Electro Diamond. On Twitch. Dragon Rolls of Desire. Oh, I like that. Dragon Rolls of Desire says, Nina, it was my 40th birthday on Wednesday and my 40, my 40s got off to a rocky start. You inspire me so I can get a Nina Turner. Keep going. It would make my week. Hello, somebody. Dragon Rolls Desire, I want you to keep going. And even though your 40s may have gotten off to a rocky start. It doesn't have to stay that way. It's not gonna stay that way. You have many more miles to go and there are brighter, brighter days ahead. Happy birthday, darling. And on YouTube Super Chat, Joanne says, imagine a world where instead of billions on elections, we spent billions to help the countries our lifestyles have hampered. It makes me so sad. Ooh, Joanne, you are so right. I can imagine that. And we should definitely work 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 towards that. Thank you all so much for your comments. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you. Oh, here we go, Bobert. The circus continues. Watch it. Hey everyone, great news tonight as almost all the votes have finally been tallied. I'm told that there are less than 200 votes outstanding, which makes me so happy to announce we have won this race. With this victory and with Republicans in control of the House of Representatives, we can focus on the issues that actually matter most, including getting inflation under control, increasing our domestic energy supply, securing the southern border, and being a strong check on the White House. Now, over the next couple of weeks, this race will have an automatic recount, which will be completed in early December. My campaign team and our lawyers will definitely make sure everything is conducted properly. Past recounts in Colorado have resulted in far fewer votes being adjusted than anything that could affect the current outcome we're seeing tonight in this race. Now, the Congresswoman made this declaration before her opponent officially concedes in the tight Colorado race. So now it is official. Lauren Boebert's Democratic opponent concedes in a tight race. 
However, this video clip that you just watched, this was her just declaring things before it was clear because you know, that's what Republicans do. We're just gonna declare that I am the winner. Let's put up the stats so folks can see how close this race was. It definitely was a nail biter. And we see 50.1% to 49.9%, very, very close indeed. And Lauren, she was she was leading by only 551 votes and it would have triggered an automatic recount. But you know, her opponent, Adam Frisch, has conceded the race. David, any thoughts on this? I wish Democrats, I mean, there are a lot of Democrats who thought there's no way that Lauren Boebert's gonna lose this heavily Republican district. And as a result, they kept their money out and they didn't really support Adam Frisch to the extent that I think they could have. I think a lot of Democrats are waking up now thinking, oh no, if we had just given him a little more money, let him spend a little more money on advertising, a little more resources, that might have made the difference. The other thing that I saw in this is that the Lauren Boebert, she was so sort of giddy and excited with her little sort of video clip. And that shows to me, she was really fearful. She was really fearful that she was gonna lose this race and it came very close. And I just wonder, even though sometimes, you know, close only matters in horseshoes, I wonder in this case if there's a if, if, if there's an exception that maybe Lauren Boebert at least is on notice. She had such a close race this time. She was all she almost lost that maybe she pulls back just a little bit, just a little bit from the total craziness. I mean, she's still gonna say a bunch of stuff that's nuts, but not all the time. Give us a break. Let's hope that she's learning a lesson that she is vulnerable and two years will go very quickly. Yes. And you know, Adam could do it again if he's if he so chooses and just walk her down. You know, what if she didn't have the 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 lead though? We know exactly what she would have said if she didn't have the 500 vote lead. She would probably cry fraud like Donald mm-hmm. J. Trump. Remember this oldie but not goodie that she put up on Twitter, and she said Hillary must be pissed it took the DNC until 2020 to successfully rig an election. Yeah, and you see that exclamation point in the word misleading because it really should say lying. But you know, they said misleading, they were really gentle with her. But Adam has conceded and so there we are. We do hope, Adam, you should do it again, absolutely mm. should. And David, you are absolutely right, if, they, if the Democrats had invested more money in that race, he probably could have pulled this off. But two years, very quickly. Now we have the game changer of the week. Yes, we do. Kenneth Mijai. Through all the tough news and experiences of life, there are people out there making a difference in their communities. And one of them happens to be Kenneth Mijai, the new controller elect for Los Angeles. Let's put up this beautiful headline, how housing activists or activism powered Kenneth Mihai's Los Angeles election victory. Kenneth Mihai, a housing justice activist and certified public accountant was elected controller by channeling the energy of young protesters into the electoral politics. Good on him and this Headline is coming from The Intercept. And Mihai's election was a major first for the city of LA. He becomes the first Filipino American elected to citywide office. And if you're wondering what a comptroller does, Kenneth has you covered on that as well. The city comptroller is the elected chief accounting officer, auditor, and paymaster of the city. The controller also has the power to conduct performance audits of city departments, allowing an examination of departmental effectiveness. Kenneth certainly has a long history of activism. He's not new to this, he is so true to this. A longtime housing 
justice organizers with the LA Tenants Union. Mihai was first inspired to run for office by the 2016 Bernie Sanders campaign, which had also convinced some veterans of protest movements like Occupy Wall Street that it might be possible to bring about change through electoral politics. After three unsuccessful races for Congress since then, he set his sights on the city controller's office and assembled a campaign team made up almost entirely of fellow organizers and activists. Good on him. And let's watch this to see how much Kenna emphasized the importance of including youth and activists. Our campaign, like Jane said, we're doing the job already. If you visit our website, MahiaForController.com, if you visit the resources page, it was created by an 18 year old who just graduated high school. His name is Kyler, shout out to Kyler. But all the resources, our environmental platform, our transit platform were made by the youth. That's why we were endorsed by Youth Climate Strike. That's why we were endorsed by Sunrise Movement. That's why we were endorsed by these organizations and these groups and why we won overwhelmingly with the youth because they are the future who will suffer from the consequences of what our generation and our older generation has done for us. Oh, and he was standing next to the one and only Jane Fonda looking fierce <laughs> in that hat. She wearing that hat. And he also deployed unique strategies to inform voters of the misuse of the city's budget, such as putting up a billboard with the facts they needed to know. Check out this billboard, it was a beauty. What? Where did this billboard come from telling all of Los Angeles where our budget priorities are? It's like whoever put it up wants Angelinos to know where their taxes are being spent. What? Why do that? Oh my God. So beautiful. Excellent. Excellent that he did that. And we're all uh Mihai will look for we look to follow through on his campaign promises. Yes, he will, with these key issues at the core of his run. And these are some of the things that he pledged: Green New Deal, homes for all, and health care for all. Those are all beautiful pledges. And David, let's hope that he can even come close to accomplishing accomplishing those goals. Yeah, I mean this is this is really something uh, miraculous really to have a progressive activist who's going to have the ability to conduct audits over so many different departments whether they're housing departments whether it's the police in Los Angeles and their malfeasance. I mean this is really remarkable and it goes to show I mean look it's going to be a tough job for him. I mean it's not easy in some of these very large cities like LA to try to solve the problems through audits and to bring a spotlight on things. But this is an important step and it goes to show that progress sometimes doesn't come as quickly as we may like. Progressive activists may not win all the time, but occasionally they do win and that leads us on the road to change. And so this is a giant step, even if it's just one race. Yeah, it is and he ran for Congress, it was not successful. But as we know, this was something better for him and there he is. And hopefully him and Mayor Karen Bass can work together and make a whole bunch of magic happen. Oh, we're going straight right now to our wishbone, our hoping, our wishing, and our praying. And today's quote is coming from none other than Dr. Mae Jemison. She's a doctor and engineer and a NASA astronaut, many of you may remember. And she was inspired to become an astronaut because of seeing actress 
Nichelle Nichols, who just recently passed away, play Lieutenant Uhura on Star Trek. I mean, who didn't want to be Lieutenant Uhura? <laughs> I wanted to be Lieutenant Uhura. She was fierce in every single way. And it's just another example of how seeing your own image, seeing people who look like you, seeing people who can relate to your experiences on the big screen can help younger people's dreams come true and even some seasoned people at what as well. And you know what, Dr. Jemison did make that dream come true, becoming a NASA astronaut. Let's put up what she had to say. This beautiful wishbone advice, the hoping, the wishing and the praying. Don't let anyone rob you of your imagination, your creativity or your curiosity. It's your place in the world, it's your life. Go on and do all you can with it and make it the life you want to live. Amen, Dr. Jemison. David. I'm gonna read that quote from Dr. Jemison to my daughter who's nine years old because I think it might inspire her and it, and it goes to show, you know, we, we talk about you know, a lot of problems in our world and life can be hard on both sort of the, the national, federal, state, community level. It can also be extremely hard as we all know, we all face problems in personal life and our family and whatnot. But as long as you have that ability to dream and you have that ability to think, well, what really makes me happy? And you're willing to work hard and work smart and sacrifice and serve your fellow human beings. You can accomplish it. And there's a lot of resources that are out there and there are a lot of us who will be cheering you on. And so I'm just grateful that that you put up that quote and that she made it as an astronaut. I have a feeling that this is a, a remarkable woman, never mind just for her professional accomplishments. Very much so, blazing many trails. Don't let anyone rob you of your imagination. Well said, Dr. May. Jemison, and to all of you, I hope that your imaginations are big and flowing. Stand tall for what you believe in and believe in the power of your dreams. You know what I want you to do? I want you to keep the faith, but more importantly, I want you to keep the fight. Until next time, you take good care. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.